Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 79 of Freight 360. We've got another outstanding episode this week. We're going to be talking all about carrier capacity, the, the struggles that everyone's feeling right now. And we are joined by special guest TJ Knudsen with Circle Logistics. We're going we're gonna to introduce him in just a second. But if you are a first-time listener, thanks for finding us and joining us. If you've been with us for a while, welcome back to Freight 360. Make sure to leave that review. We love the five stars and any any uh, written reviews you want to leave us. We'll, uh, we'll do a live read on those as they come in. Actually, I didn't even check this week to see if we have any new ones, but uh, we appreciate it. Keep referring us to all your friends. We're growing the, growing the audience here. We're up to almost 50,000 downloads um, going, into, going into this week. Every day. So thanks, for, uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. And TJ, it's great to have you on the show this week. Welcome, man. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Of course. So hey, you're with uh, so you're the director of sales and operations with Circle Logistics. You said Fort Wayne, Indiana. Tell us a little bit about Circle, what you guys do, and kind of how you got to where you are in your career today. Um, you know, we're a we're a asset based uh, you know three PL. Um, we're we're top top thirty in North America as a brokerage, uh, top fifty three PL. Um, uh, you know, when I first started here, it was. Uh, it was a, a lot smaller. Let's just say that. Um, and we grew awfully fast. So uh, we've got, you know, I'm here in Fort Wayne at the headquarters. Um, I oversee our, our entire asset division uh, and also some of some of the brokerage, um, you know, assets there or uh, components there. Um, we've got offices in Chicago, um, Detroit, Toledo, uh, Orlando, uh, Phoenix, uh, Minnesota and uh, Nashville. And nice. uh, adding some more, so um, you know a lot of lot of uh, remote, a lot of satellite uh, offices. But you know we've got two owners that um, are great to work with, um, and our one of our owners here at Fort Myer actually does a lot of the, the the recruiting for some of those satellite offices as well, and and, and gets out on the road and, and goes and, and meets with people and and talks with them. So um, you know when I first came in, <clears throat> I left the um, uh, financial uh, and insurance sales industry. Uh, I ran an office in a, in, a, in a region here in northern Indiana. I was doing a lot of traveling. Um, I'm always one that uh, tends to be like, you know, all in 100% or 110%. But we, I, me and my wife had just had a, our first child, um, not needed to settle down a little bit. And I thought, you know, where, uh, you know, what could I do to use my sales experience, um, but not have to, you know, travel around all day long. So, uh, buddy, I went to Ball State with, had been at uh, actually at TQL for, long time. Uh, I didn't know really anything about the industry at all. Um, and so I, uh, I met him for a beer one night, they were opening an office here in Fort Wayne. And I, uh, I asked him, he, he told me, uh, you know, he talked to me about, you know, looking for maybe a, with my experience, like an asset based uh, company, Circle Logistics was, was hiring. Um, I came in with a hiring class, uh, was sat at a desk, made a hundred calls a day, um, just had a region basically of, of uh, states to call. And, um, uh, the one thing about the Fort Wayne headquarters is that our, our asset, um, a lot of our assets, at least main, most of our assets are run out of, run out of Fort Wayne. So the main dispatch hub. And uh, so I got involved with that, became a dispatcher. Um, I was dispatching right around 15 trucks at one point. 
Um, and what's your fleet look like there? What kind of assets do you guys have? Um, owner operators. Um, we've got uh, right around, I think we're at 92 trucks right now. Um, we've got right around 200 trailers, uh, including um, uh, dry vans. We got step deck dry vans, uh, flatbed step decks, Conestogas, um, and uh, we do a lot of expite too. So uh, it's um, a diverse carrier base. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome though. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, especially here at the Fort Wayne headquarters, at least we're very automotive based. A lot of our customers are large automotive, um, if not grocery. So um, the just in time stuff, the, uh, you know, the tracking, the on top of things, I think that's what, what kind of made me good coming up through it because there was no room for error. Right. I mean, if you didn't update something correctly or didn't, didn't communicate and um, you relate, you were shutting a plant down. Right. And that's yep. it's anywhere from hundred K to, you know, 500 K an hour uh, with some of these automotive plants. So it's a, uh, it's awfully uh, risky, but it's a uh, high reward as well. Um, I'd started uh, developing, uh, Derek Holst here is our, our VP of operations. He was with them from the beginning. Um, he kind of took me under his wing and um, really had a big sales push going into 2018. And uh, I really got into that and um, also started brokering as well because just they needed capacity. And so I was landing accounts, I was brokering, I was moving assets. Um, we just kept growing. So we needed a new office and, uh, we did, we restructured the whole thing. Uh, there was three of us that, uh, became directors and then we uh, started, went from cradle to grade model to, um, a carousels team and account, account manager team, uh, you know, track trace sales, uh, and, and did it that way. Um, I helped put the SOPs together for all those. And so it's just been a, it's been a fun ride, a fun journey. Um, I was director of operations on the, on the brokerage side, helped grow that up to the top 30 in North America here. And then, um, uh, the assets uh, need a little more attention. So I started back um, in that division in May, came in, we had like 53 trucks, we're up to 92. Um, we were doing right around, I think maybe 500 million. We're up to, or, or 500,000, we're at about 1.6 million right now in revenue a month. Nice. Um, so uh, really got that turned around and, and, and uh, excited to do some new things there. That's awesome. That's How awesome. many brokers total ballpark you guys have? Jeez. Oh, um, 150 200 250. we're hiring so much right now it's it's unbelievable um yeah i mean we've got 200 in the in the fort wayne office alone um you know when we first when this whole thing first started um you know chicago office we had, we had uh, brought in a guy from echo uh to start our chicago brokerage uh andy smith great guy um and he was outpacing us brokerage wise we were doing a lot more assets um and he, he'd dabble in assets as well but um and then we started going there too, you know, that route as well. So, I mean, they've got um, probably, you know, 85, I don't know. There's, there's quite a few. I mean, I'm losing count guys. I don't even know anymore. There's new people walking around all day, every day. Yeah. They're going, Hey TJ, I don't That's know. Awesome. I feel terrible, but you know, it's a good thing, I guess. You know what I think is funny. And I, I want to hand this because Ben, we've talked about it before and, and TJ, just the way you talk through the, your progression of your career and even circles growth and finding good talent that has that, had experience in different realms. It goes to speak to the fact that becoming a successful broker or running a successful brokerage is not an overnight success. There's so many, there's so many benchmarks and, and uh, things along the way that you have to achieve to get to that next level of success. And a lot of folks think I'm going to get my authority, start a brokerage and be successful right away. And we always recommend that, you know, you've got to, you got to have small goals ahead of you, whether it's to to work for somebody for a bit first before you move on to that next thing, or, you know, maybe you're dispatching first 
like, or you guys have the carrier sales model, right? You have your operations team uh, before you move into set the sales side and your prospecting and, and landing new accounts. And even you, you've hopped from the brokerage side to the asset division now of, of Circle. So just kind of that getting that full rounded level of experience is really going to make somebody a well-rounded, um, yeah. knowledgeable person. So I've always said that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just talking to my, my CFO the other day. It was like, man, if we could get everybody to go through, you know, I came in, I was making sales calls and I went into dispatch with trucks. Then I went into brokerage and now I'm back with trucks, but like, man, coming out of dispatch and moving trucks and knowing the ins and outs of that made me such a better broker. Yeah. Such a better broker. I understood, you know, what, what the, what the drivers, what the dispatchers were all needing and wanting, um, you know, and, and how to approach things. Uh, I knew, you know, just the basics of the truck and, and, you know, shippers and whatnot and, uh, how shippers, you know, work and whatnot. And so, uh, then going to the brokerage then coming back to the assets, then coming back to the assets after I learned so much on the brokerage side, it was like, you know, same thing, you know, or, you know, I get on the phone with a, uh, if I, sometimes I'll jump in to get back, all, help get back all sometimes cause it's kind of fun and get a broker on the horn and, yeah. um, you know, I, I know exactly what they're, what they're doing. You know, I was like, Hey, I gotta, mm-hmm. I gotta be at 1500 zone or op. Well, I gotta be at 14. I'm like, you got an account manager for this load. They're like, yeah. I'm like, he's probably got a max buy in there, doesn't he? Right. You probably can't go over 1450. I said, I know how it works. Throw me on hold, get him on the horn, see if you can get 1500. Tell him you got a great carrier, good guy. You know, Christian man just raising children over here, trying to move his truck, <laughs> trying to make him laugh a little bit. You know what I mean? And and I know the process how it hey, works. Gosh, you know what I mean? I don't put them on put them in a pinch or try to try mm-hmm. to uh, undercut them. I just say hey, this, this, you know, make a shot at it here. And um, but you know, I love getting on the horn with some of those younger brokers too. Uh, you get on there. I, I still remember the uh, this guy's like this was a couple months ago. He's like, I got to be at 19, 19. I was like, man, I, I said he, he stuck at two grand. He's old. He's an old. Um, old driver with old truck. He's, you know, stubborn or whatever. He goes, man, I can't give you the whole sink. He said, but, uh, the whole kitchen sink, but I give you the faucet. Uh, you know, I get to 1950 and I said, I tell you what, you know, slap a Brita filter on that faucet and call it 1975 <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll sign the rate con right now. And he starts laughing. He's like, just cause you said that I'm going to send you the load, you know? And <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love it. Just relating with it. And it's so true though. I guess the main point is just like understanding what their job is, what they're doing. Um, you know, and then, and then vice versa, um, I think is a, is a huge key. And I, I, it's hard to, hard to get, uh, people that are in brokerage to really get into the, wanted to be around the trucks. My main goal when I came over here was to make the asset division, a desirable place to go, to be around. And, um, I've kind of achieved that and, you know, make it fun and make the learning fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's having that the hardest part of management I'm telling you right now is, getting people to understand the long game and how important it is. I mean, it's yep. just you, it, everything you do is so transactional and, you know, you've got student loans or you've got an apartment, whatever it is. Um, if you don't play the long game, you're just not setting yourself up, up for success. Um, and it's up to managers to explain that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And I think you're going to, you're going to add a ton of value to this episode as we dig more into what's going on in the, in the current market right now with capacity and it's all over the place and we've, we've been seeing it everywhere. So um, I'm excited. This is going to be a good one. So what, let's, let's do a quick little, our sports rundown here real quick. Um, ben, I know you and I were chatting over the weekend about the, uh, the Arnold Palmer invitational. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Arnold Palmer invitational Bay so, Hill. Yeah. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, right? Lit it up, man. Uh, every time, Every time that I uh, 
see him now. I just keep thinking about his uh, the ten he put on a scorecard last year. R five cut cut it over the water, right? Yeah, yep. yep. He um, he hit the same. So he that was the it was last year where he like hit it just outside the fence, and he was like arguing with the whatever they call the judge in golf, the the ref or the official. Official, I don't official. know. Official, yeah. yeah. But that was the big article, actually, what TJ just said two days ago was they said, you know, Bryson DeChambeau at Bay Hills par five, six in 2016 versus Saturday isn't even the same person. They said what he was able to do with the golf ball was just almost inhuman compared to what he was doing. Oh, that was so that was you're talking about from this past weekend. Okay, I got you. Yeah, 550 yard, 555 yard par five. Um. On the he sixth knew he, hole. he knew he had the wind. He's not dumb. Oh, yeah. I was looking yeah, at the, he, he's, the Twitter He's growing a lot. What I thought was cool, too, is he um, he had uh, talked about, or at least on the air, they had talked about the letter he had from, from Arnold Palmer in the past, like congratulating him when he had his first win years back. And that was pretty cool. So good stuff. Elsewhere around uh, the, the world of sports, not a, not a whole lot going on. But, uh, you know, we're, oh, we're we breaking college, into that baseball season. and We got college basketball tournaments. Um, th- that's true. There were some some big ones last night. Some big, uh, I guess, conference champions yep. announced last night. Gonzaga took down uh, BYU. Yep. After, like, a double-digit deficit. So. Yeah. Uh, ACC tournament's going. Um. That's obviously ACC tournament's obviously always a big, a big one. Big. I'm a Notre Dame fan, Northern Indiana. So I know there you Notre go. Notre Dame's looking looking solid. When does the uh, when does the tournament start? March Madness. I don't know. You know, I've, it's been so busy. You know, I feel like it's mid, it's usually mid March, right? Usually mid March. Yeah. So yeah, because they were talking about whoever won some of these recent games. Like the one team, I forget what they were called, but they made their first like bracket berth since like 2008. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, good stuff. March yeah. Madness. Anytime there's something exciting in sports, it's always uh, good to plug into the TV. It's, it's been uh, it's been so crazy busy though lately. When you mentioned we were going to talk about sports, I'm usually all over my sports. And I'm like, man, I'm just like, I realize I don't really know what's the hell's going on right now. I'm just like, <laughs> what year is it? Busy. Uh, yeah. What year are we in? <laughs> well, that's that's what we're going to be digging into, obviously, right? Is the market has gotten obviously tighter. Everybody's searching for capacity. And one of the things that we wanted to mention is, you know, one of our sponsors, Lean Staffing Solutions, with their near shore option out of Columbia. I've talked to at least three other companies in the past week that are actually using Lean for the same reason, is they're trying to find more capacity. They need more bodies to be doing that. And they're using Lean to be able to source some of those people at a you know lower risk than they would having to hire and train somebody in the US. They're able to get two people for the price of one in a lot of cases. And I know if that's an option you guys are looking for, definitely reach out to you know either Trey Griggs or Ryan Mann over at Lean Staffing Solutions. Lean Solutions Group now is the new official ah, yes. title. Check them out at leangroup.com. Yeah, Trey, Trey's my boy. So I, went to, I went out to the Lean, uh, Lean Solutions uh, Mastermind event out in Vegas. Oh, you were there. Those, we, yeah. we had him on uh, last month. He was talking about the, yeah. uh, the Vegas trip. So Great, great trip. Did you Good get to golf? Him. Oh, yeah. Yep. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. in Florida this week. He just shot me an email. I think I'm going to be playing with him either Friday or Monday. So looking forward He's okay. to getting out. 
He stacked his team. We got second behind him, but he stacked his team. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm calling you out, Trey. No mercy. Yeah. Oh, man. Good stuff. All right. So, finding capacity in a tight market. Let's uh, We'll talk about the elephant in the room here, and that is capacity has been – I don't know if that's really an, an elephant in the room. That might have been the wrong phrase, but it's the it's the big hot topic right now. I hear it from all the all the brokers and agents that I'm working with. They're all everyone's asking me, like, is it just me or is is everyone seeing this? And it is really it's across the board. Um, just because capacity is tight, though, does not mean that you can't cover freight and you can't be profitable and get paid what you're worth while you're doing it. So there's. This is these are the times when the market fluctuates. And Ben, when we had um, DAT on, I don't know, we talked about it around the beginning of the year. That market cycle is usually about eighteen months, right? And it's yep. been it's been different with the pandemic and a bunch of other factors going on. But this market cycle will continue to happen and indefinitely going forward. So this is going to happen again. This is not the last time we're going to see tight capacity. Um, so. This is, these are the times when the good brokers can differentiate themselves from those who aren't so good. Because, hey, when the market is very favorable for a broker, anyone could be out there making money as long as you you know know the right things to say and the tools to use. You don't have to really be too analytical and um, use too many or have too much experience to be successful. So, But um, TJ, I'm curious. So on your brokerage side and also your, in your asset division, what are you guys seeing and feeling right now. And I guess in the last three to four weeks, um, is it tough for your brokers to get capacity as a asset based company? Have you been able to leverage that with your rates? What does that look like overall? So what you said there was, uh, you know, this is the time when, you know, the good brokers can separate themselves. Um, I've always seen it as this isn't the time they separate themselves. It was, it was leading up to this, right? Because what this does is it, is it, it, it separates it for you. Right. If, this you, if, you don't, yeah. if, if you don't have, you know, the right, the right strategies, a good foundation, the right carrier sourcing, the right carrier relationships, the right technology, the right uh, just overall operational processes set up. When something like this happens, that's when you start to see it gets exposed. Right. You're going to see the people that make it, the people that don't. Um, and so I've always said in the, in the when things are going good. I'm, I'm preparing for when they're going bad. When they're going bad, I'm preparing for when they're going to go good. I love um, that. So, because then when it happens, I'm not caught off guard. I'm not one of the ones complaining. We've already got a strategy and a way, a way to approach it and a way to attack it. So, um, you know, I've always wanted to be a Buffalo, right? Um, you know, they say, you know, when the storm's coming in, uh, run know, towards it. Cow, right? When the storm's coming in, the cows, they all just get in a huddle and they turn their back to it and they just wait it out. But the Buffalo get in a herd and they run straight into it because they know uh, it's uh, they limit their exposure to the storm. You're going, to, you're going to take the beating either way. You might as well run right through it and make it shorter. So um, that's how I kind of look at it. I dig it. I dig it. So but to your question, sorry, I didn't really yeah. answer that either. But um, so, yes, for the last three, four weeks, um, it's, it's been challenging. It's been it's been a test of um, it's been one of those things, you know, our, our culture here is like, you know, we're not going to complain. We're going to, you know, if, if we're having trouble with finding capacity or, or whatever it is, we're going to sit down and come up with a strategy. We're going to talk about it. We're going to have educated conversations. We're going to throw things at the wall, see what sticks, uh, put our minds together. Uh, but like I said, with that foundation of, of what we've built, um, it, it's definitely helped us. Um, I know on the the asset side, the tough part for us, um, I'd say capacity wise, is just, um, you know, recruiting's tough right now. Like there's just, there's, there's, 
owner operators aren't, aren't looking for jobs. I mean, they're, they're making money where they're at. The good ones yep. are, uh, and they're working. And so, you know, we've got a pretty strict safety uh, process uh, to, you know, get through our safety department to get onboarded with us as a, as a driver. Um, so, um, you know, like I said, the good ones that would get through that are already are working. They're not looking around. Um, so that's tough. That's where our brokerage has come in and help definitely. But, you know, again, you know, brokers got to remember that these customers, most customers have asset carriers uh, running for them as well. As a matter of fact that, you know, if you look at 2018, they got beat up by brokers, right? And so 2019, if you were, if you were talking to customers trying to get set up with them, they were really on a, an 80-20 rule. They were trying to cut down on how many brokers they were using to get more asset carriers to get those locked in rates. And so when the volume goes up, um, all those asset carriers that- They don't have the flexibility. They yeah, can't. they're, they're, yeah, they they're can't. soaked up. Every truck is right. soaked up into, the, into each one of those accounts. That the amount of trucks that are going to be out there on the load board, you know, on the on the DAT board, are not are, are not there. So, it, as a broker, what you should be looking for right now are those key backhauls, right? Really, you know, reach out to an asset carrier, not necessarily saying, "Hey, you know, do you want to run these loads or whatever." It's saying, hey, "What loads are you already running?" Yeah, right. See what they're already running and see what it takes to get them back to those. Well, that's what I wanted to go through, yeah. and I wanted to ask you some actionable things and some tips. I actually was working with one of my clients this morning before we recorded on this very thing is, you know, what they were hearing from their carrier team is, oh, we just, nobody's willing to go there. And in fact, they were just talking Northern California, which is obviously very tight. And they're going, you know, we, we just can't get anyone to go there. But when you really take a step back, and that's what I want to talk through a minute is, it's not that they're not willing to, it's that usually there's a lot of assumptions that are happening right there on both parties. You got the carriers assuming they're not, the broker's not going to pay what it would cost to actually get them to go where they don't want to go. And the broker's assuming that the carrier just wouldn't go for any rate. The reality is, is you can get someone to go literally anywhere if you get to the right number literally anywhere. You go up high enough. And I learned this during the ELD market. I had open checkbook with some of my shippers and people are like, we don't have capacity. I'm like, well, you might not have capacity at 600 bucks. What if I give you a thousand? And I'm not saying that more money is always the option, but what it learned, what I learned from that is there is a number. And usually if you just ask a few more questions, you can at least get an option to take back to your customer and then to move on instead of just literally sitting in the middle of the road all day, hoping and wondering whether you'll get a truck, but never actually getting one, which is where I think a lot of people are right now. So what are some of those questions that both of you have seen that you can ask to actually secure some capacity in an area that isn't as desirable? Well, the, the main thing there is, is sometimes there, there's usually a number, but there, there's times there's a lot, at least with my fleet, a lot of times there isn't, there isn't a number. You know, I've got Correct. customers that I've worked to land and grow and we got to get them back. Like we got to get them back. We got to run their freight. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if I got to get them back to the Midwest because we've got, you know, X amount of loads that we got to cover that we've already taken from this customer, I can't run them out to Oregon. Yep. We just can't. I mean, we've got, we're getting tenders for, uh, from other customers for, for big rates that we're turning down to go out to, to the West because we got to keep them, you know, in a cycle for certain, certain other customers. So sometimes there isn't a number and, you know, the, the drivers, you know, I've had a lot of conversations recently with them, you know, you know, I don't know why we're running this. Like, you know, the open board, we go run the open board right now, make a ton of money. And, 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 and they're seeing that these owner operators are seeing that right now. And then what does that mean though, over, like you said, when the market shifts again, where do you think those customers are going to be? They're going to know you didn't pick up their freight. And when you go, well, Hey, give me that guaranteed load. They're going to go, well, I've got a pretty recent memory. And a month ago you bailed on me to go make more money. So you know what? 
maybe I don't need you so much when the market loosens up. The, and the, the, I want to hop in on that because the same thing can be said with carrier relations too, though. So put yourself in the broker's shoes now versus the asset side. And if you've got carriers that are not necessarily your go-to, but you've used them here and there, and then they're not there for you when capacity's tight and you've, and you've taken care of them in the past, that can be an issue for long-term relationships as well. I've had folks, like I saw one um, the other day that were, we got carriers posting on DAT uh, that they, they're available in whatever city and that they'll go anywhere. And then you call them up with, the, with your lane and they're like, well, no, I won't go there. And it's like, well, don't say you're going to go anywhere. Don't post your truck to be able to go anywhere if you're not actually willing that's to go That's just anywhere. lazy. That's just laziness. Yeah. Right? And that's because that's, it wastes everybody's time, right? Mm-hmm. If, you're on the, if you're on the phone, um, if a carrier is on the phone with a broker or vice versa, if you're not making a deal and no one's making money, it's a waste of everybody's time. So that's just, that's my take on it from the other side of it. Um, but you know, but yeah. as a carrier, it's key. Like you said, you know, a carrier's relationship with brokers is, is important too. So as a carrier, you know, when this all, ha- when this all went down, I, I just, all I've been doing is just having conversations with my customers and with brokers, you know, listen, I, we, we took a lot of freight from you. You know, you're a broker, um, you treated us well, right? We, we, we returned the favor. Um, but at the end of the day, our customers are knocking on our door and they're dying. I mean, they need every truck we've got. I mean, they're calling my cell phone at 9 p.m. TJ, you got a truck? I need a truck. And so uh, you got to have those conversations. You got to pick up the phone and, and keep those relationships from, you know, from that standpoint as well. And just say, hey, listen, the honest truth is this. You guys did a great job. We're not like falling off your freight. And I know you're hurting and you need trucks, but it's I just want you guys to know it's not because of anything or being greedy or anything like that. It's just that, you know, priorities right now are, are over here. And I hope that when this changes and, and it goes that way, we can still continue our relationship. Those are the conversations you got to have or, or you lose those relationships. Yeah. So I think, I think at the end of the day, the, the actionable items, it's, and again, it's not a quick fix. This is a, a big long-term solution for brokers and carriers alike is, is to maintain and continue to groom and grow those relationships with your, if you're a broker, it's your partner carriers. If you're a carrier, it's the partner brokers that you work with. And notice I use the word partner because it's not just transactional. It's a partnership and a relationship. And the longer you can grow that relationship, the better it's going to be. So when that next storm does come, you can have the expectation set beforehand of if you're the asset company, like here's the deal. Like don't expect to get a whole lot of capacity out of me. My direct customers and direct shippers that I'm working with, they need me right now and I have to take care of them. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, it's, it's all about setting the expectation and communicating ahead of time. And it's a lot easier to, to put a fire out when it's very small than when it's grown, you know, for an hour already. As, so. a, as a broker, I'd say, you know, one thing, I, a couple of tips I'd give a broker right now. Uh, number one, um, find more resources. Um, start picking up the phone and calling direct. I, I don't care if you're Googling them, care 411, whatever it is, but I'll tell you right now, my dispatch team, they're not, we're not posting our trucks. Mm-hmm. So when, when we run a cu- customer freight, we usually, you know, post up uh, a, the truck on DAT or truck stop to get a backhaul, you know, a day or two out, but we're not doing it now. Why? Because every time we post a truck, we can't answer all the calls. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's a distraction. There's no efficiency there because yep. right now we can just go to search loads and go through and just pick whatever loads we want to call on and, and just make outbound calls and get a great rate to get back to our customer freight. So there are a lot of trucks that oh, are yeah. being posted. So you may think, oh, there's, I can't stand it when I hear one of our guys here come, we're going to go, there's no trucks down there. Yeah. Like, no there's trucks. no trucks down there. Are they on DAT that's posted? But, but that's why you got to find different resources because they're there. Yeah. It's just, you know. And here's the thing that I want to drive through to our listeners, right? There's, it's always a two-sided coin in brokerage, right? 
every problem literally is an opportunity in this job, right? Mm -hmm. And as we're talking about how there's these problems and these issues and these shippers are literally blowing up TJ's phone asking for trucks. Think about the times that you can't get a customer or a prospect on the phone, not a customer or a prospect, right? That should almost never be happening now. Everybody is having a problem. Everybody needs capacity. If you can get them to just have a little rapport and a little trust to have a genuine conversation with who you're prospecting, the problems and the need are there. They're there, they're there, they're there. So if you aren't getting activity and results in your prospecting, you aren't putting the activity in. Now's the time to put that effort in. Exactly what TJ said, prepare for the next cycle when it's going to be hard to get customers on the phone. Be there for what you can so that you can establish the relationships for when this cycle eventually turns to the other cycle. So Yeah. So TJ, I wanted to, I know you mentioned use other resources. I wanted to point out two good resources and these are, this is what I always recommend. So number one, like you said, I, I agree, is making those outbound calls. You, If you don't have your own TMS, so my, my first one would be yeah, look TM, at your yes, TMS, TMS. Look, at, look at your load history, right? Look at lane yeah. history, look at your carrier utilization in a certain lane, look where these folks are domiciled out of, where backhauls have been in the past 12 months or whenever, right? And the second one is if you don't have that data or you don't have a good TMS or whatever the case might be, Go to like DAT as a directory online. You can search up by state and get a list of all the carriers out there. Start hitting the phones. Just the same way that you're making your prospecting calls. Think about the exact same way. Just start hammering through, seeing who has capacity where. Those are the TMS is going to be probably the best. Look at your own information and your own data yep. that you have. It's because it's real and it's your company. And so. you know, one thing, big thing too is um is is to capture the data and use it. So you, you if you're getting uh, carriers that are sending truck lists. Uh, to you. The, the big problem there is like, you know, I've got X amount of loads I got to cover today. I'm focused on that. They send their truck list. None of their trucks are near any of my loads or whatever. And I move on. I either ignore it or I don't anything. But if you're capturing that every time, you know, I'm copy and pasting that, putting it in a spreadsheet, every truck list, right? So now I've got, I go back through and say, man, I'm really struggling on these lanes or I want to bid these. My customer needs help out of here. I can go through and sort that spreadsheet out and say, hey, this guy's been emailing me every single day with trucks in, in Tennessee but I haven't been looking at it because I'm afraid out of there. And now my customer needs help out of Tennessee. Boom, I'm getting them on the horn. And the yeah. biggest thing too is this, is when trucks are making money, right? Assets are making money. Trucks are making money. Um, the, the dispatcher's job especially becomes a lot easier. And it's just the way it works. They get a little bit lazy. They, and I'm telling you. Like you're complacency. You're All humans. For it, right? but it just, it's part of it. And so you want to be having those conversations. You want to get on the phone with the operations manager or the owner because they're thinking big picture, right? They're thinking they've got a vision farther out to the, you know, past the truck that's tomorrow, right? So if you're trying to really build a relationship and you're, and you're wondering why these guys aren't taking your freight or why they wouldn't want to get on it, it's because they may just not even want to take the time to do it. But I'm telling you that ops manager and that owner who are judged on that and that future revenue will, will do it. Because there's two, there's twofold there. Number one, now you've got a relationship with the guy that can go down there to the dispatchers and tell him, hey, find a truck for TJ, get it over there and pick it up, right? And then also you've got now you've, what what Ben t- touched on with prospecting. So there's a lot of failures going on right now, right? So of course that opens up prospecting, but it also means there's a lot of shippers that have very little trust and they've been burned quite a yep. bit. So if you're going and you're prospecting to a to a you know a new customer that you're trying to reach out to, and you say, hey, listen, I've got Bob. You know, Bob over here is ops manager at this carrier. I've got, you know, John, who's the owner here. 
Um, and, and these are, you know, if they're small enough carriers, especially if you're, if you're comfortable with your customer or with them, you know, even offer to get them on the, on the horn with them, see what they can do, right. Yeah. And bringing that, that, that may be small enough care. They can't get set up with them anyways. And so, you know, you're, you're, you're bringing that trust of, Hey, this guy's got it. I mean, he's got these, you know, the owner and of these carriers on the line and it makes a big difference. Well, yeah. That's the-, the difference between somebody blindly saying, quote, I have trucks in the area and someone saying, quote, I actually do have trucks in the area and here's my contact over there and happy to have a conversation about this capacity. Or where's, where's that area? I'll get trucks to that area. Exactly. <laughs> so to that point, right. I, what I can't stress enough is like think outside the box. Right. Yep. And we've probably kicked around 10 different things that are outside normal because this situation is outside the normal. Yep. Right. The conversations I have in a market like this are exactly what TJ said. I'm going to be calling TJ and say, TJ, I know that you've been sending me the lane list and I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Right. First, I'm going to you know, appreciate, let you know that I do appreciate that communication. But where I'm going to go is not what I need covered today. Where I'm going to go is, hey, TJ, let me ask you, where do you guys need backhauls later this week? And when I get that answer, I'm going to take that information right back to my prospect and go, here's where I will have trucks. Do these match up with any of your needs later this week? Because everybody's fighting over what's going on today. I'm mm-hmm. going two days into the future and providing some value outside the norm. That is what's going to get me these relationships. Doing yeah. what my peers aren't, right? Thinking outside the norm not, a, not far outside the norm, a few days, right? Mm-hmm. And you can create opportunities. Like you said, higher up the chain in a company, the bigger picture they are, the farther they're looking into the future. And I think just to, just to put this very simply as a broker, and I think a lot of folks make this mistake, your job as a broker is not to just serve your customer and find them a truck. Your job is also to service your partner carriers and find them loads to keep them full and to keep them running. And I think a lot of people, they forget, they they take off that servicing my carrier hat. And all I think about is I'm going to find customers and find mm-hmm. loads to move and you know, I'll post and pray. It's like, no, that doesn't always work. And this you is know, and I, I've it. always said, this is what will, this is what will click. This is what, this is what we, you'll get a carrier that says, Hey, my trucks are yours. Right. You want to get to that point where, Hey, my trucks are yours, man. What do you got? Right. Yep. To get to that point, I think that the, the, the main, you know, step that really makes everything click and puts it in place is if you can get a small carrier to buy another truck, you've done your job. Oh yeah. Okay? So huge. that's huge. And so when you look at it, you know, you talk about capacity, you're like, Oh, you know, we're all fishing from the same pond. And I've always thought of it, you know, we're all fishing from the same pond, right? There's only so many trucks. And you know, when capacity gets tight, it's just like, if, I don't know if you're a fisherman or not, but you know, anybody can go out when they're biting and catch them. Right. But the good fishermen go out all the time because they know that, Hey, because of the temperature, because there's, uh, you know, there's clouds, they're, they're sitting a little deeper here, right? Maybe they're sitting more closer to shore, maybe they're in the cover, whatever, and they're, they're getting more strategies to find it. But at the end of the day, it's still tougher, right? And it's still hard to do. If you can add fish to the pond, now, now you're creating your own capacity, right? You're not fishing from the same pond from everybody. You're taking a three-truck carrier, you're turning them into a, you're giving them business, you're working with them, giving a vision and working with them, giving, making them a five-truck, 10-truck, 20-truck carrier, right? And that's all because of you. Now, when you're the one giving them business for them to buy trucks, they are locked in and as loyal to you as, as anybody, because you're having that conversation most likely with the owner or the owner, uh, uh, operations manager. And that, I think that's a, a clicking point. That's huge. That. You're right. And you know what it reminded me of is like, 
during Christmas every year, I would usually get a handful of like gift baskets and they were always from my carriers and they were all the same people you're talking about, right? The guys that I help finance more trucks, Mm -hmm. the people that I would go to my customer and go, Hey, you've got guaranteed freight. I've got a guy who wants, he's got the driver. If we can bring him the guaranteed freight or at least as close to it, he'll buy the next truck. And you literally help scale this guy's business and they appreciate it, right? It's a two-way street. Now I really have capacity, just like you said, because I know this guy trusts me because it's the business I gave him that helped grow it. So when I need something covered, they're always there because they know you were there for them. It's reciprocal, right? It's not treating these people transactionally. It's it's committed capacity. And that's something yep. that you can, you can get to. And it's not just, you know, I, I, I use the, you know, buy a truck example, but you know, if you're affecting their numbers in a positive way and gr- helping them grow their business from just the standpoint of, hey, ever since I started getting loads from TJ and we've been working with him, uh, our driver retention has has skyrocketed. You know, w- our retention's better. You know, maybe Good not shippers, even, right? Easier loads. That you're struggling with that you're providing and, and they lock in with you. And now you've got committed capacity that that you can go to a shipper or carrier, you know, because that that comes down to failures and service failures. I mean, you can always say you've got 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 carriers, but it doesn't matter if, if they're not committed to it and it's not something they want yeah. to do. Yep. Carrier utilization is a lot different than the number of carriers that you have approved in your system. It's so. funny how it all transitions. It's all, it, it's, it's, it, I just wish people could be on both sides because then on the asset side, you look at like recruiting when I talk to a customer and you know, one great part about having our brokerage is that like, I could say, you know, we can, I'm going to commit to this, but we're going to recruit around this lane because here's the deal. I could go pull three guys off another lane or off some other freight and bring them over to, to, to service this new shipper you've got or this new this new lane that you have. But they're not built for it, right? They're not, you know, get, let's get in here. I'm going to use some of my trucks here. Maybe we can use partner carriers that I've built uh, around it or whatever to bring you to capacity. It's up to you guys. But if we can recruit to that lane, now we're finding guys that either live in that city, live on the uh, at the destination, maybe in the middle. Because now you got a guy that's committed to that lane, right? That's committed capacity there because he's like, I don't want to give this lane up because my wife's happy with me now because I'm through the house yeah. every night or, <laughs> or twice a week or whatever it is. Rather than going out and running something I don't want to run, that means I'm going to lollygag. I'm not going to care. I'm probably not going to make uh, relationships with the shippers at the dock. Um, you know, all those things that they do to stay on those lanes, you'd be surprised. You know, they're bringing a breakfast in the morning because they want that lane. Their life's good. They can budget. They can see their wife. Everything's going fine. But you got to recruit to that too. Um, and that's a different type of capacity as well. Agreed. Good stuff. Good discussion. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how the market changes next and, and how everyone reacts to it. But hopefully everyone got a little bit of uh, some takeaway tips and, and tricks and just some, just some good ideas and best practices from that discussion. So that's um, the biggest thing I, I would say, I just want to end this. Sure. I have been blessed at circle because we grew so fast and we got, a lot of us got pushed into leadership roles before we were ready but we've always been able to just come up with something. Like I've always been able to walk in my owner's office, like, hey, go for it, go for it. And there, I think there's a lot of companies out there. I know when we bring people in here that never had that, they're a spoke in the wheel. They don't know what it's like to just come up with something and, and, and handle it. I mean, that's what that's the handle was always that. I mean, that's just what it was, was, was come out, come up with something. You know what I mean? Like I go into my owner's office and with an issue and he'd be like, well, did you do this? Just do that. And I'm like, well, what, you make it seem so simple. I'm like, well, I didn't know if I could do that. He's like, yeah, do it. Guys at the truck stop sleeping, send, call an Uber, have an Uber go out and knock on his door. Things like that where it's like, oh yeah, duh, bring, you know, that's, that's creative, but you could do those things. Some, some uh, organizations don't necessarily 
allow that. Maybe that's just because they've scaled, but you know, if you could, if you could always come up with something. And I will say to, to add to that, um, Ben, we've talked about it before is just because it's been done a certain way for so long, doesn't mean that it, that's the only way to do it. And TJ, you bring up a good nail point. In business, right? We've always yep. done it this way. Every time I hear somebody say it, it just irks me to like my core. We've always so, done it this way. I'm like, okay. Wait. And I, I think a, a good takeaway for, for the leadership level folks that may be listening to this, whether you're a sales team leader or an ops manager or an owner of a brokerage, whatever the case might be, something that I've always done is if somebody came to me and had a problem and I had that similar problem in the past and I knew possible solutions, I wouldn't tell them, oh, do this. I'd say, here's a couple of ideas. Think about them and you know, just th- think in that mindset. You give them a couple of options to get their brain spinning. And that's a good way to coach and mentor and, and grow quality people. Then they feel like, wow, I wasn't just handed the answer. They actually gave me some tools to figure it out on my own and help me see it through a different lens. That's, that's how that's, leadership. Really, that's a really that's good way to coach. Them it, um, I bet I may have told you this, but that, that's how the hashtag handle it thing started. That's what, when I, when we first, I first started the, the division, um, they would come over. Yeah. And I knew this situation, right. I knew when they come over, cause sometimes, especially in this industry, they want to, they want you to solve it for them, even though they, you know, they can So yep. they give me the situation. I know in the back of my mind that it's not dire and that they could probably figure it out. And I, and I tell them, all right, here's what I want you to do. Go handle it. All right. And then come back when you're done and tell me what you did. All right. So they go and a nine times out of 10, right? Now, if it was a, a situation that I, I, I vetted it, right? So if I had to jump in, I would, but they came back pumped. Just Jack. So I, I, sat down and I sent this yeah. email out and then I did this and I had to go over here and, and I figured it out. And I said, there you go. Now I created it a hashtag because like it could be taken wrong when somebody comes up to ask you something, you go handle it. You know what I mean? Like, so I made it like a thing, but it became <laughs> mm-hmm. like a culture. I'm not lying. Like we had a, we had like a, a trophy, like, like every month, like the handle it award. Right. And it's still, I still have the handle it hammer award that we do every quarter. And it was like a thing, like handle it, you know, let's handle it. It became like a, um, just try it. It's a source it. of pride yeah. because yeah. that's real leadership. You're and encouraging and empowering them. Yep. You empowered them to make their own decisions. And then they garnered that excitement and passion around it, which is why they're excited. It. Like I, I explain it to him. Like, I don't, I don't want to think I'm just telling him to handle it. I'm telling him yeah. like, when you guys tell me something, right. Or you come up with me, if it's, if it's something that's going to get you in trouble or if it's something that's going to be tough, I will help you. Okay. I'm just saying if I tell you to handle it, that means that I've got confidence in you and I know that you can do it. I just got to have, you got to have confidence in yourself. Yeah. It, that I've always taken the same mentality. If you can't figure out a legal and ethical way to get it done, I'll step in. Yep. But uh, good stuff. I like that. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna get into some some uh, social media Q and A here, but first, gotta mention our friends over at DAT. Speaking of capacity, take the guesswork out of freight with DAT. DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting brokers with available capacity in any lane. And outside of just that post and pray, they've got the DAT directory. Make sure to check that out if you haven't. I know we just mentioned it on the show. It has every single carrier that they have in their database listed in there by name, MC, DOT, location, you name it. You can see reviews on them and all that good stuff. So use that directory to your um, to your benefit when you're trying to search for that hidden capacity, I guess you would say, if it's not posted on the board. So um, check out the episode notes. There is a link to get a free month of DAT Power, DAT Express, or DAT Trucker's Edge, depending on if you're a broker, carrier, or both. Some good options in there for you. So um you can either go to freight360.net, check out the episode notes, or go to DAT's website for more information. All right, three 
questions here. The first one's on drayage. Uh, someone asked, I'm new to drayage. Any tips on drayage moves? Now we're not, we don't have nearly enough time to, to yeah. dive deep into it. One of the questions I often get asked is how do I find capacity in drayage um, outside of load board posting? And there is a drayage directory. It's drayage.com, right? Yeah. Ben, I know you've done dray moves, right? And I think a lot of people, they don't know that exists, but it's there. It is drage.com is one. The other place to find capacity is it's actually a captive list of carriers to move drayage per the intermodal regulations. You need to be a member of the UIIA and you can actually get that list. You can get a list of every carrier that has the authority to actually move intermodal and you can literally call through it. You could search by zip code. You could do it however you want. So yep. there is a finite amount of carriers, which makes it a little easier and a little more organized to find capacity. The other tip is there's a lot that goes into this. You need to understand how chassis work. You need to understand the chassis charges. You need to understand that they're always round trips. There are fees associated with not returning your empty containers on time. And Drayage is one of the only parts of transportation where if you commit to the load, you can incur a fee without picking up the load. And that is absolutely very important to consider when you are accepting loads in drayage. There is uh, so I, I will, I will give you a, a little, uh, <clears throat> I don't want to call it a correction, Ben, because you're never, you're never wrong. You might not always be right, but you're never wrong. So um, the UIIA to be a member there, there are certain requirements and one of those is to be asset based. Correct. Right. So brokers can still broker drayage moves. The the carrier needs to be authorized UIA. themselves Correct. to get in and out of those ports, rail yards, et cetera. Um, if you don't know what drayage is, do a little Googling on it. It actually, it's basically just moving short, moving over a, a short distance. And it actually comes from uh, Long like Hall Shoreman. It comes What's from that? back the old days, long haul Sherman, the guys that used yep. to hook and throw bales off of the ships onto the ground. Yep. This is the modern day. It was like horse drawn. And yeah. Yep. So that's where the, that's where the phrase comes from, but it's very, very big. In the, for that. In I, I, I know for a fact, um, just rage capacity. Um, it's just like, a, if you're looking for a good automotive carrier, they're going to be based around those shippers, right? They're, they yep. want to run four yards by, by four. So, Unlike dry vans and flatbeds, like if they're going to be running out of a port with with drayage, they're going to be located. Yep, they're within, within fifty 10 miles. miles of that. Yeah, yeah, that and that drayage directory breaks them down by location. But you're going to see a lot in like the the Newark area, Charleston, mm -hmm. L.A., Houston, Florida, Louisiana, South Florida, Battery, Miami, yeah, I mean, Savannah, that's, Chicago. That's where they're located. So big ports, good stuff. All right, um, next question: What are my load load board options in Canada? Uh, well, I can tell you that you know you could. You can post and search on any of the like DAT, truck stop. You could search there, but there's also one called Loadlink that is um, by Transcore and it's the same parent company that DAT has. So last I checked, they would actually communicate back and forth. So if somebody posted a load or a truck on Loadlink or DAT, you could find it on the opposite one. Um, so that's on one. DAT, I think it's on the, the only Canadian load board actually. On the posting on DAT, like if you're looking for a carry, it'll say posted by Loadlink. Okay. So that is still a thing. Got it. Very, very cool. Um, third one. And I want to dig in this one for a few minutes. Are non-competes enforceable during the pandemic? And I have seen so much of this. So TJ, you probably have, I know I have in, in my personal recruiting and I dealt with one myself when I switched companies last year. Um, my quick answer on it is, are they enforceable? It really depends. I mean, it all depends on what picture is painted 
to a judge if it even gets to that point. But for both hiring and former employees, you guys have probably dealt with this. Um, I'm curious how, how to ethically approach the non-compete realm because non-compete and non-solicit are two different things, right? Non-compete says you can't go work for a competitor. Non-solicit means you can't take those customers with you. So what, what's the approach that you guys have taken and how do you look at this overall? Um, it just depends on the, again, on the situation. I mean, all non-competes are enforceable. Um, the question is, are they winnable? Uh, maybe you're not going to write, True. Up, a, there you're you not go. write that, up a non-enforceable non-compete, but you know, or, they're, or whether they're logical. So um, you know, you look at it from a standpoint right now, I mean, at the end of the day, like the only way you're really going to lose one is if, you know, they've got some sort of evidence from the customer with, uh, you know, them writing out that, you know, this person actually did reach out to me, uh, you know, vice versa or whatever it is. But listen, you know, in a pandemic, especially, um, I mean, everybody's getting breaks on, on whether it's, uh, you know, paying your electric bill, paying your student loans. I mean, right now, if, if, if this even gets sniffed by a judge, it's just, it's getting pushed out. I mean, it, I, I hate saying it, but um, you just got to be logical about it and, and smart, like you said, you know, and ethical. So, you know, if you go to a new company that, you know, one thing we do is we'll, you know, have that, I always recommend that person sending a letter to that company then when they leave and saying, hey, um, I'm going to go, I want to work in logistics. It's my career. I understand you guys have this non-compete. Um, I'd like to maybe, this is a rebuttal technically to, to that saying that, I'd like to be able to be released from that non-compete. However, if there's four or five core customers that you don't want me going after, maybe we could come to an agreement on those. Um, uh, but you know, you're basically asking me to release from it, but also say, having some like uh, some some give back too. Like you know, there's four or five customers, or there's certain things that you don't want me to do or whatever. And you want to respond with that? That's fine. I mean, and nowadays, right now, I mean, people just know that. Um, I mean, when freight's good. Uh, they're not all that worried about it either. So um, it just depends on the situation. If it's messy and if the company's known for being messy, sometimes you just stay away from it. Yeah. I, I like how you said it all depends, right? And they're all situational because I've had folks that they were done wrong by their previous employer. Like they, they might have, let's say they worked for a small brokerage that was so mismanaged and they just, they were they were just given the runaround. They were given empty promises. Maybe there was like, you could have had like an abusive workplace. I, I've had all kinds of situations. And at that point, like I'm going to take a chance on that person. Um, and I know that if it ever, I don't, well, I shouldn't say I know, but it, my gut tells me that if, or, if it ever got to the point where a judge had to look at this situation, they're going to take the same stance, most likely that I would. Now, if somebody is just like, well, hey, this company is going to pay me 5% more. I've got the entire customer list from all the brokers in the office. I'm going to go do that. And that's the wrong way to do it. Then those are the folks that they have the wrong mentality. And if they're going to do that to their old company, what makes that new employer feel comfortable that they're not going to do something similar or unethical with them? So well, yeah, I think that's, that's what you have to look at. And that's on the new employer too. I mean, I don't, yeah, oh, I don't, yeah, 100%. I don't bring anybody on that, that's going to do that either because now that's my reputation. That's that's, that's something that uh, now we're bringing on with us. And that's the, now a headache we have to deal with. Yep. So we're, we're going to make sure that they've got their stuff in line. If they need help, we can maybe help them. But it's it's got to be in line. If, if not, then, um, you know, I mean, a, a conversation, again, is is not a huge deal. There's certain employees. I mean, it's a blanket. It's a blanket uh, non-compete. There's certain employees that that they would have let, let, let go with it. And there's certain ones that they wouldn't, right? But unless you have a conversation with them, they may not even be up to, 
to, to thinking about it. There's, there's some that they, you know how it works. It's just, sometimes it's personal even. Like I'm just getting, this guy believes I'm going after him, whatever. Yeah. Right. But, um, but you got to figure that out first. I think, um, you know, ahead of time. hundred percent. I agree. So if you have a non-compete, make sure you read it. And um, if you get into a mess, remember three of us are not lawyers. So yeah, this is not legal. Advice. Get, get some legitimate legal advice from someone who's uh, who's actually qualified to do that. These are all just from our personal experience. So we reached out to Sandra Gaines. She, Sandra always, um, I've known her for a long time. She, I mean, you can reach out and ask her a question. She'll answer it right there. Yep. Yeah. She had a, I think it was last summer or maybe end of last summer. She had a good episode on her show that talked all about non-competes and mm-hmm. cause it was so common, right? Cause people were getting yep. laid off left and right when there were shutdowns and, and shipping volumes went down. And I think if I remember correctly, her biggest advice was kind of like what I reiterated there was don't, try and go and poach everything you can just because you were pissed that you got laid off. Cause that's mm. just, it's the wrong way to do it. Um, yeah, it's just, it's unethical and it just, it speaks volumes about your lack of character. So. And the length of it, she, she always mentioned that too. Like if it's a six month to a year, those are more likely to be judged as enforced, but anything like over a year, pretty much a judge yep. probably isn't gonna, or two years. She had like a timeline too, in which, yep. you know, over a certain amount, the judge is never, almost never going to enforce it. Cause that's just, and by the way, yeah. And that's all different by state. And that's why yeah. what we're talking about is general things that we've run into experience working in and, you know, hiring in the industry, but you should speak to an attorney that has expertise in your state, as well as the state in which the contract was written. Or have right. a review it. Have an re- attorney review it. That's yep. the big thing. They'll put notes. Yep. Absolutely. So good stuff. Good stuff. Um, cool. Any closing thoughts, guys, around the horn here? What do you got? TJ? Uh, I don't know. Market's going to stay high. Uh, find the commodities. I think it's going to, it's going to segment here. I think there's going to be some commodities that are just going to keep raging. And I think some are going to go down. So if you're in one commodity, you're going to hear somebody say, Oh, the market's going down just because the commodity they're moving. So building products, paper, uh, automotive parts, uh, they're not slowing down. Recreational yeah. vehicles. Ask Tony, ask Tony Darnell if RVs are slowing down. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I think our biggest takeaway is work from RV, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think the biggest takeaways are, you know, when the market shifts, when things are seem like a new normal, look outside the box for different solutions, whatever that may be. Um, keep trying things until you find something that works. Mm-hmm. And remember, whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And I'll say don't uh, don't expect to be surprised in the future. Expect for change to come. That's that's my big takeaway. Until next time, go Bills. Handle it. And hashtag handle it. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.